First Peter chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 6 through 11. There are verses that I try to use to uh, encourage people, especially at uh, funerals. Uh, at the end of a funeral, when we have a gravesite ceremony, there's verses I like to recite that have been a great comfort to me. And uh, this is one of those verses that we're going to look at here today. Um, I hope that you will can go to a place in the next uh, few weeks where things that really encourage you, that help you uh, know the Lord is present and near. That picture up there is actually Brooklyn and I this summer went to Michigan, and that's a place where we camped for just two nights. And just seeing that picture again reminded me of who the Lord is and what he's done and what he's made, as we even sang in our song this morning. And so if you will just permit me, I'm sharing a little bit of my life with you where I can see the Lord at work and what lifts me up. And hopefully you can kind of find what that picture is for you and ask the Lord to, to be your strength even over the next few weeks. Let's look together. 1 Peter chapter 5, we're going to read verses 6 through 11, starting here with King James. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, verse 8, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called un us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen? <laughs> That's what we've been singing, right? All power, all glory. And Peter says the same thing right here. I want to start with a, an illustration this morning, kind of get us thinking about uh, worries. Any worriers out there today? <laughs> Maybe this will hit home with you. This is uh, C.J. Green. So you're trying to sleep, and it's well after bedtime, but you're tossing and turning, unable to get comfy. You notice that you're replaying the same scenario in your head. Do you ever do that? right? Some vision of tomorrow, what might happen, how a hope could be dashed. If you've had this experience, you're far from alone. Some of you VBS people, you might remember our little dream crushers game that we played, right? <laughs> uh, researcher Lucas Lafreniere said, this is what breaks my heart about worry. It makes you miserable in the present moment to try and prevent misery in the future. For chronic worriers, this process leads them to be continually distressed all their lives in order to avoid later events that never happen. Think about that. Worry sucks the joy out of the here and now. In his study on worry, participants were asked to record their worries and how they caused distress and interfered with their lives. Each night at 10 p.m., they reported how much time they spent thinking on each specific worry throughout the day, then 20 days after that period, they reviewed each entry and reported whether any of the worries had become true. The good news is Lafreniere's study found that in his survey of worrisome people, 91% of their worries never 
happen. 91%. Worrying caused only more misery and did nothing to help the worriers handle whatever they had been worrying about. This is mainly because the hotly anticipated events never transpired. Remember what Jesus said? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? So for you today, if you're worrying, the message is very simple. Cast your care on the Lord. He cares for you. That's the message. We could probably go home right now. (laughs) But you know the preacher's going to talk. Take home that truth here this morning. Cast your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. Let's work our way through this passage this morning. Ask the Lord to speak to us about what it means to trust him when we are troubled. First thing this morning, God exalts the humble. God exalts the humble. Look in verse 5. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Now, you guys should really like 1 Peter chapter 5. Why is that? Because it's one of those passages that gets onto the preacher. It says, this is what Bishops, this is what preachers should behave. This is how they should be. And as it's wrapping up that, as Peter's wrapping up that paragraph, what's one of the last things he tells preachers to be? Humble. You that are younger, submit yourselves to the elder. You younger preachers, you learn when to keep your mouth shut and show reverence to those who are leading and guiding and trying to train and teach you. Do you think young preachers think they know what to do? Coming out of seminary, I've been to seminary. Summa cum laude or something like that. I can't even pronounce the Latin. But I can do this. I got this. I still remember the night that we went to Promise Keepers with a friend, and I came back from that service, and the Lord just crushed me. And I was kneeling at our church on the front row and saying, God, this is your church. This is no longer my church. And I had to have a humbling by the Lord so that he could do what he needed to do instead of me trying to do what I was going to do. All right? So good advice for any young men maybe entering the ministry in the future. I don't know. I'm kind of hopeful that somebody might do that down the road. We'll see. Humble yourselves and let the Lord be the one that lifts you up. Right? It's good for ministers, but it's not only for ministers. It's also for everyone. Did you catch that? So I'm not the only one in trouble this morning. Right? If you remember even from Ephesians chapter 5 where the scripture talks about right and then right after that oh there's some smiles there what do we get right after that right or excuse me right before that what does the scripture say submit yourselves one to another right so we see the same truth here in peter not only is the preacher need to be humble but everybody needs to humble themselves in the lord as a church we need to subject ourselves one to another We've been studying James in our Sunday school lesson. Be uh, quick to what? Quick to listen and slow to speak, right? And slow to become angry, angry, right? So that's part of humility. It's not always having to be the one to tell your story. And if you know the preacher, that's the hardest thing. If you start talking to me about something immediately, I want to identify with what you're doing, and I want to tell you my version of things. And what the Bible reminds me, part of being humble is being a good listener. Are you listening this morning? 
not just to the preacher, but are you listening to the Lord? Are you listening to the people that God is putting in your life that you can hear their needs and that you can help meet them? Did you realize that this morning you probably had 10 to 12 people share their needs with you and you can help minister to them simply by bringing them before the throne of grace, but also by being engaged in their lives. Again, as Christians, not only should we seek to do what's right, but we need to humble ourselves and listen to one another. We need to live a lifestyle of submission and humility and be reminded of this truth. What does God do to the proud? Does he exalt them? No, he abases them. God is the, level, the leveler, <laughs> the great leveler, right? The equalizer. God puts down the proud, but what does he do to the humble? He lifts them up, and what does Peter say? He lifts them up when? In due time. Have you ever done something for someone and wondered when were they ever going to say thank you or whenever they were going to give you some credit for what you did? You guys are looking at me like that's never happened to you. Is that the only, I'm the only person that ever had that? It happens to me at work so often, like I may do something and I'll be expecting somebody to notice and say, oh, who fixed this or who made this work? And sometimes it just never comes. And we've learned in technology that really, if nobody says anything, that's one of the best compliments that we can get. Because <laughs> that means everything's working good enough for them to do their job, right? Today, the reminder for us is that when we have to humble ourselves, the Lord is the one who exalts, but he does it in his time. I want to challenge you again this morning. I've even been thinking about this morning a little bit in my own life. I want to be careful because I want to be grateful and thankful when people do things for me. And I want to acknowledge their kindness, right? That's a good lesson. That's good for us to teach our kids. But at the same time, when we do things, should we be doing them to get a pat on the back or to get acknowledgement from people? No, we do them to please the Lord, right? And that sometimes is a hard thing. So humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and in due time, he will lift you up. Again, great wisdom for any leader, elder, pastor, teacher, anybody who thinks they can do it on their own. And especially for those of us who think that we are too important to reach out for help. Anybody here like that this morning? I don't need your help. I got this. That, that's kind of a pin trait, by the way. I can figure this out. I don't need you. I'll, I'll be okay. I'm self-sufficient. And yet the reminder here is to humble yourself, seek the Lord, and sometimes that means that we need to get help. And I want to put this reminder here for me, but for you as well, that even preachers need the gospel. Right? The gospel is that I can't do this on my own. I need to humble myself, ask Jesus to give me the strength that I need to serve him, to know him, and to have hope and a purpose and a future. And sometimes preachers think, well, I figured it out. And yet every day, preachers need the gospel. And every day, we all need the gospel. The devil will definitely use your pride against you. Uh, Gordon G. Gordon Liddy had this to say. That was a good little quote, just a reminder about how to get, the devil may use things to get you. Did you hear about the clever salesman who closed hundreds of sales with this simple line? Let me show you something several of your neighbors said that you couldn't afford. Well, I'll teach them. Yeah. I may have to get out four credit cards, but I'll do this. Right? Does the devil work like that in your life? We saw, again, even on Wednesday night, and I didn't mean to hammer Esther as hard as I did this last Wednesday, but we had a really good conversation about whenever uh, Peter, he's confessed Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God, and the Lord brags on him for that. 
but it's not much longer that Jesus tells the disciples that he's going to die. And Peter says, oh no, that'll never happen, not on my watch. And what does Jesus say to Peter? He says, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. The devil, he even tries to trip up Jesus through his philosophies, through his teachings, right? And again, this reminder is here that in order for us to not fall down, we've got to humble ourselves. Again, the Lord will lift us up in due time. It's a big step of faith. And we've got to be the one to trust the Lord. The Lord will make it right. All right. First thing this morning, I hope you can find some comfort in this. If you trust the Lord, if you will humble yourself before him, he will lift you up. That's not a maybe. That's not a kind of. That's not a, well, it could happen. That's a promise. In due time, the Lord will lift you up if you will humble yourself. All right, second thing, care casting. Care casting this morning. Cast all your anxiety or your worries on him because he cares for you. Again, this is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. What's the first word say? Cast. Now, do you know what it means to cast? Rick and I, we've been doing a lot of casting over this last year. And one of my favorite things is to get a super heavy lure and put it on, on a pole. And the reason I like that is because when I let that thing go, it'll just go a mile. Of course, if you get a fish, you're in forever for to catch them, right? I just love to cast. To cast is to throw. Does this first say gently wrap up, bundle your worry, and then gently lay it at the throne? What's it say? It says cast. And I think, this is some penology here, but I think this has to do with the desperation of the person needing the help. Desperate people cast. Amen? I can't do this, God. you got to take it. Let me give you the lesson if you don't already know this. How often do you have to cast your cares? Every single day, whether your prayer time is morning, your prayer time is evening, or if you're in both, then that's when you've got to cast your cares. You don't just cast your care one time and then it's all gone, right? You've heard people picking up their burden at the altar as soon as they get up from the altar, right? We want to cast our cares on a regular basis. So I'm telling you this morning, be desperate and throw those worries and those hurts and those concerns, throw them to the Lord. This takes humility, doesn't it, right? For you to cast your care, first you got to admit you've got a problem. You know, any of those 12-steppers out there, you know that, right? That's number one. I got a problem. And then the next thing you get is you have to humble yourself enough to say, God, I need your help. Some of you today need to go ahead and take your problem to the Lord and say, God, I've got a problem. I need your help. And then we have to quit taking them back. Why in the world should we trust the Lord? What will God do with my anxiety? What will he do with my worry? What will he do with my trouble or my pain? Why should I trust God? What's the end of that verse say? He cares for you, right? Donna shared a song with us this week. Some of you guys may have heard it already, Casting Crowns, that when you get into heaven, the only scars in heaven will be the hands that held you now. In your heaven, there's no death, there's no pain, there's no tears, so there's no scars because you have a new body, but there'll be one body that still has scars. 
And that's the Lord that holds you now. Cast your cares on the Lord. Why? He cares for you. How did he demonstrate that? Oh, if we could have the whole world understand this truth, that God, the God, the creator of the universe, who should have no reason to care about your little uh, sand speck of a life, loves you so much that he gave his only son and sent him to this place to die on a tree, to raise up again, to suffer your hell, to live a perfect life, that you could be reconciled to him because he loves you that much. Why should I cast my cares on the Lord? Because he cares for me. Praise the Lord. This week, when you're going through that bad day, and I have a feeling it could be rough at school this week for some of us. <laughs> some of you guys are probably have many, much more heavy things that you're going to deal with this week. And you're struggling and you're worried and you're hurt and you don't know the way out. Peter says to the church and to us today, cast your cares on the Lord. He cares for you. I can say I care for you, but kind of like our shirts that we've been wearing at VBS, right? Love's not what you say. Love is what you do. Well, Jesus can say, I care for you. And he proves it. Take your burdens to the Lord this week. The Lord cares for you. And if you wouldn't hear, take the preacher's lead this morning, shout it from the mountains. Tell your coworkers this week. Tell your neighbors this week. God cares for you. Let people know. Wear it on a t-shirt. I don't care. Let people know that the God who created this universe cares for you and you matter to him. Now let's hear this right this morning. Make sure we're getting the right doctrine here today. The Lord isn't handing out Teslas or million dollar bills. And some preachers are preaching that way, but he's handing out abundant life for now and for all eternity, if you would but trust him. So here's my next question this morning. Are you casting your cares or are you keeping them? Please cast them every day. Cast them. Lord, today, I can't make it unless you take it. I'm giving it to you today. Help me. Help me. All right. Cast your cares. God exalts the humble. Cast your cares. Next thing this morning, I want you to be alert. Don't be devoured. What's it mean to devour? It's like watching Jacob with corn dog, right? Devour. Right? Oh. It's when we eat something so fast, we got to have it, right? What's the Lord say here? Verse eight, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to what? Devour. The devil would devour you. First thing, Peter says to the church, again, as a good leader of these leaders, he says, be alert, be alert excuse me, and be sober. When we walk around not paying attention, we are most susceptible to attack, right? You ever get in trouble when you're not paying attention? Right? Yeah. Again, I'm afraid my friend and I out there could give you quite a few kayak stories when we weren't paying attention and we got ourselves in trouble, right? How about driving? You ever been driving, not paying attention, get yourself in trouble? Right? Well, same is true in our spiritual life. If we're not paying attention, that's the time that we might be in trouble. Again, the devil would love to use a circumstance to pull you farther from Christ or to weaken your faith. This morning, where are your weaknesses? Can you be honest with the Lord about that? Maybe your weaknesses this morning is you have a hard time having a daily Bible time of reading. Do you struggle with that? Cast it to the Lord. Maybe it's a prayer time. Cast it to the Lord. 
Maybe there's something that you know is something that you shouldn't do, but man, you're just drawn to that just incredibly. Or maybe it's that you have a real short fuse on certain circumstances and you know that's not right. Cast your care to the Lord. Do you guys see this? If we're going to be alert, if we're going to be sober, part of that, again, is laying those things that are troubling us, that are our weaknesses, and casting to the Lord. Again, we can really easily get ourselves in trouble if we're not being alert. This is from um, Steve Green. Some of you guys know him. He was a, a singer a few years back. He sang six years with Bill and Gloria Gaither. You guys know the Gaithers from up in Anderson. And he tells about getting to know some of the work crews in the large auditoriums where the concerts were held. The Gaithers did concerts in the round, which means extra work for the riggers, the people who would walk the four-inch rafter beams often 100 feet above a concrete floor. Anybody sign up for that? I know Brother Rick probably has done stuff like that back there, hadn't he? <laughs> right? They were so high in the air, and if they slipped, their weight would be in trouble. Now, the problem was that there was a false ceiling below some of those rafters. Now, what's a false ceiling? It looks good, but will it hold you up? No, right? They were so high in the air, and if they would slip, the weight of these riggers would smash right through the flimsy tile. But their minds would play tricks on them, lulling them into carelessness. And Steve Green says this, Satan's business is not so much in scaring us to death as persuading us that the danger of a spiritual fall is minimal. A false ceiling. Ah, that's not a big deal. Well, you've, you've been missing church some, and you're not around as many Christians, but it'll be okay. It's not a big deal. Oh, you haven't been reading your Bible so much? I know you've been busy. It's not a big deal. You haven't been getting some quiet time to talk to the Lord like you need to? Oh, it's not a big deal. Oh, well, I know you, you messed up over there, but it's not a big deal. And that's what happens, right? The devil does that. Be alert. Be sober. Pay attention. And the way to do that, of course, is to have those disciplines in place praying, reading, Christian friends, filling our mind with things that are honorable and beautiful and noble. Again, Peter definitely saw the devil as an active presence seeking to destroy and devour. And what's the term he used? He's roaring like a lion, right? The devil roaring like a lion because there is nothing he would love more than for you to forsake your faith. Again, I want to be careful here. C.S. Lewis said this a pretty good way. I didn't put the quote up here this morning. But basically, we don't want to think too much or too little of the devil, right? If we think too much of the devil, then we may give him credit that only God should have, right? Is, is the devil the dark side and God the good side and they're evenly matched? <laughs> no. The devil is an angel headed for destruction in hell. God has already sealed his fate. The king of the universe has said, this is what will happen to you, and I'll determine when you're free, and I'll determine when you're let loose. There's nothing close about their abilities or their powers. But can the devil trip you up? Man, you guys, if you had 10,000 years of experience of watching people and knowing their behaviors and their attitudes and the way that they react... I mean, the human condition really hasn't changed that much, has it? The devil is an expert at taking you down. So he needs that much respect, but not the respect that we would give God, okay? He is a roaring lion seeking to devour. So we need to be alert and be sober. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Just look at this briefly with me. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. Amen? We know that, right? And look at verse 3. But the Lord is what? 
He is faithful. He is faithful and he will strengthen you and he will do what? (laughs) He will protect you from the evil one. But we've got to humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord that he can lift us up in due time. Don't be devoured, be alert. Finally this morning, I want to remind you of this truth. You are not alone. You're not alone. Look down at verse 9. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And to him be the power forever and ever. Amen. So what's the first thing that we should do when we're fighting against the devil? Resist, verse nine, resist him. This is the imperative. This is the action, right? When you know the devil is coming at you, what do you do? Immediately, you speak against that, right? Don't kind of soften your way in through it and process it and wonder, well, I wonder if I could almost get close to that sin line but not quite get over it, you know? Is that how you do? That's what the preacher does sometimes. What, what we should do is resist him. What did Jesus do when he saw the devil trying to tempt him? Even in Peter, like, would you dare tell one of the disciples that loved you so much, would you say, get thee behind me, Satan? Why did Jesus do that? Because he was resisting the devil when the devil was coming at him. This week, you may need to resist the devil like that. Then he says, stand firm. If you go in Ephesians chapter 5, remember your armor of God, right? What's your helmet? Anybody remember the helmet? Helmet of salvation. You got a breastplate of righteousness. You got a belt of what? truth, right? Your feet are shed with the gospel of peace. You have a shield of faith. And then you have the sword, which is what? Okay. Can your preacher get on a soapbox here for a second? All right. Have you guys, anybody watching some fencing at the Olympics? It's incredible. These little skinny young people, and they have these little electronic devices and they're out there sword fighting, right? If I were to go and to try to fence with an Olympic fencer, the game would be over in like 10 seconds. Why is that? Because I don't know how to handle that sword at all. They would knock me out so quick. Some of you are trying to fight the devil when you don't know how to handle the sword at all. So your preacher's getting on a soapbox. Get in the word. There probably should be more of you asking me questions and me asking you questions as we study and learn this word together. We need to know it. If we're going to stand firm against the devil, if we're going to go on the offensive with the word of God, we better know how to use it. Amen? So I'm challenging you this morning, use that sword, but you need to get to know that word of God so you can resist and so you can stand. If you look at Ephesians 6, even it says, keep standing. It's like, hold that ground and don't move. Don't let the devil take you backwards. And then the challenge and the, the word that speaks to my heart so much this morning, Peter says to his church, He says, you are not alone in temptation and suffering. Did you catch that? The family of believers throughout the what? The world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. We're really blessed here this morning that we have each other to lean on, don't we? You guys, every day I go through my top 50 and I pick a country every day. And man, the ones at the top, like Sudan and Yemen and Eritrea and North Korea, Afghanistan. To be a believer in those places is often to be alone. 
We need to be brothers and sisters who are lifting them up, right? Amen. The whole family of believers throughout the world. But then the same is true for us. Recognize this morning, you're not alone in your suffering. You're not alone in your hurting. You're not alone in temptation. Pray for your fellow brothers and sisters, and then take comfort knowing that they know your experiences. They know what it is to suffer and to be tempted as well. The truth, though, is what's so encouraging there in verse 10. We will face suffering, but what will God do? He will restore us, make us strong, firm, and steadfast. Trust the Lord in that. Again, another promise to to us today from the Lord. And why is that verse 11? That his name may be hallowed. Amen. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. All right. Three questions today and we are done. I want you to think about these verses. And I hope this week, if you're carrying some worries and some anxieties and some burdens, that you will cast your cares on the Lord. So here's the first question today. What are you worried about today? All right, right now, this morning, the preacher's a little bit worried about Sawyer, right? That sounds pretty serious. And I really want Zach and Bree, I want them to come to faith in Christ and to serve the Lord. And I want this to be something that maybe would encourage them. But man, I'm a little worried about that. So what should I do with that? Take it to the Lord, right? I'm a little bit worried about this week. I got a week of school and we're about ready to launch and we've handed out thousands of devices and we're gonna flip on the switch tomorrow and see if anything's even working. Some things are gonna work and some things are not. I can promise you that. I'm a little worried about how that's gonna go. What should I do with that? Cast it to the Lord. What's your worries today? Maybe it's financial. I don't know where the money's gonna come from. I don't know how to handle it. Maybe it's emotional or, or social, right? I've really been having some problems that I don't normally have. I don't know why they're coming. The buzz of the Olympics has been mental health, right? Maybe it's something to do with that. Maybe it's a relational thing. I've got to meet with someone this week that I'm really nervous how that's going to go. What should you do with those things? Cast them. Every morning, cast them. What are you worried about today? Cast your cares. Again, that reminder, he cares about you. Second thing today, where are you weakest at today? You know, probably you have a pretty good idea. Where's the devil going to try to get you? Where's he going to trip you up? He knows your weakness, right? Is it a lack of discipline in an area? Is it a relationship you have? Is it a something that you, a sin you're kind of hanging on to and you know you need to let go, but you won't let go of that sin? Where is that weakness at today? And again, I'm saying humble yourself, come to the Lord and let him be your strength. All right, and then the last thing this morning, and I want to challenge you about this one because um, I really think we have it pretty good here. Will you pray for the rest of your family who may be suffering for Christ? You guys, I, I know there's places much worse, but I have been to parts of northern India where we were a little nervous as we were traveling what was going to happen. And I know the believers there, and I know some of the stories of what they're facing, and I know the suffering they're enduring, and I think some of them sometimes feel pretty alone. And then I read of other stories of other places. And I know they're far away and they're things that we don't see. But those are our brothers and sisters. They love Jesus. And in some of their context, they're the only people that love Jesus for miles and miles. And we need to lift them up. And the Lord may challenge us about what we need to do to take an active role in encouraging them, all right? Okay, what are you worried about today? Cast your cares. Where are you weakest today? Humble yourself that the Lord be your strength. And then if you would, please pray.
for the rest of your family around the world, throughout the world, as Peter says, that may be suffering for Christ. This morning, we're going to do something just a little bit different, okay? I'm going to actually go to the piano for a little while, and we're going to open up the altar for prayer time. I want you to come and to pray. If, you, if it's physically hard for you to get up and come, you can stay in your seat. That's fine. But if you can get up and come this morning, I would like you to, to literally come and cast your care to the Lord. It may be a friend, a family member, maybe even just for our church family. But as we take a little time this morning, I'm going to go there and, and play. And you come and pray as you need to. And then we'll have a dismissal prayer here in just a moment. So if you would, uh, if you're able to go ahead and stand this morning. And those of you that would, go ahead and come to the altar today. And let's cast our cares to the Lord this morning.